We we would have just done our live show in Portland, Maine. And I'm Ooh, with I'm you. I'm sure it went well. <laughs> I'm sure it was great. I think I'm with you at this very moment. I'm predicting the future. I can see it. You and I are laughing. We're having a really jolly good time. <laughs> see, look, we're laughing. <laughs> we're doing it now. <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre having to record something that we know comes out after we just did an exciting thing and we want to talk about it, but it hasn't happened yet. For for current self, for future self, it did. Yeah. We'll talk about it next time. Maybe. No, because that's even before. You're right. We have to pre-record a few episodes because mm-hmm. of this. The travel. Okay, we'll catch you guys in a few weeks. We'll catch you on the flip side. On the other side. Hey. Catch you on the flip side. Hi. Hey. Do you want to introduce us? This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. I am Sabrina. I like that we both have the curtain bangs now. Like now that mine have grown out, we're just twinning. Also, I'm repping Creeps and Crimes. Love them. These, I'm serious. Their merch is the most comfortable. You and I both pretty much live in them. I'm only ordering oversized sweatshirts from here on out because oh. I think we both bought sizes that are are probably like three to four sizes larger than what we would yeah. normally opt for. I can't not wear it. It's I don't even so want to wear any of my other stuff. I just want to yeah. swim. It's basically a Snuggie. <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh. That's really, we're That's wearing sweatshirt is. dresses. Did you ever have a Snuggie? <laughs> yeah. And actually uh-uh. I have, um, sorry, my ear is itchy. I have, sorry, gross. Oh, I hate ears. Anywho, they're like little mushrooms that grow on the side of your head. But it would be better than just having a hole in the side of your head. That's true. Like a bird. Maybe we could have some feathers that cover them up like birds. (laughs) Have you ever seen a bird ear? It's literally just a hole. It's freaky. What did you ask Mm. me? Um, Snuggie. Did you ever have (laughs) No, no, but I have a... Wait, Something you just said similar. yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I used to have a Snuggie. I had a Snuggie as a child, like as a teen. And then now I don't have a Snuggie, but I have a Comfy, which is basically like a Snuggie, but it's there's no opening like a blanket. It's just a like giant fleece. Is that t-shirt. fuzzy? the fuzzy one? It is, yeah. Yeah. When you and I had first started Campfire Stories, we did a little promo video for it, and I was I put on my comfy for it. This is how I get dressed. <laughs> That's also another thing we should talk about, Campfire Stories. We need to talk about it. We are recording this the day after we did our very first one. So it's April 5th when we're recording. Hey, from the past. Our first return to Campfire Stories. Yes, our first After a three-month hiatus. On Patreon. And it was, I mean, I just forgot how incredible they were. I knew that we loved them so much and that's why we were so excited to bring them back on Patreon. But we cried, we laughed hysterically. We we learned a lot about our listeners. We had great conversations. Um, it just is so much fun. And I was thinking about it. It's so, so energizing too. Like I so forgot energizing. that I don't sleep on those nights because I'm just buzzing after. And I want to like talk about it more. And I want to, uh, it's just, we were reminded of everything that was so great about Campfire Stories last night. So I think we're feeling real good about it. And if you've been debating joining our Patreon in order to listen and join in on Campfire Stories, I will say this. You can listen to Campfire Stories and join us live every week for $3 a month. 
We are doing it every week, meaning that's less than a dollar per episode. And even if you join in a month from now, you can go back and listen to all of the Campfire Stories previously that we did through Patreon because they're always available for replay pretty much immediately after recording them live. There's the chat feature. Yeah, honestly, it's less than a tea. I ordered a tea the other day and it was $4.17. I'm like, for hot water? You can buy a whole box of tea bags for that price. I know. I'm not doing that again. Actually, that's not true. I did it every single day. <laughs> I had a little tickle in my throat and I was like, I don't want to make myself I tea. I want someone else to make it for me. Anyway, point being is we understand there is you know, money involved and $3 a month isn't always feasible for everybody. But if you if you we tried to make it as accessible as possible because we know it used to be on Spotify Live and now it's on Patreon. And so we put a lot of thought into this and and making it as easy to access as possible for future patrons. So well, yesterday on Campfire Stories, I mentioned that I had collected a ghost story from someone and I had very few details, but I'll tell you a couple more details about who this person is because it ties into some news that I have, some good oh, personal yes, news. Oh, yes, you do have yes. news. So basically, I was at a house and a realtor told me that she had listened to my podcast because my realtor had told her about my podcast because they worked together. I was like, what the heck? I like told my realtor, I'm like, are you telling people... And she's like, yeah, don't you need new listeners? Don't you need more people? You're my scheme. I was, like, I was like, I mean, yes, but I'm like slightly embarrassed <laughs> that now we're like realtor gossip. Like, oh, I represent the weird ghost girl <laughs> of the podcast. You're not weird. Anywho, You're perfect as you are. I'm fun. You're unique. But point being is this woman, I was like, oh, do you, do you believe in that stuff? Or, or do you find ghost stories fun? Because she said that she had listened to an episode. And then she said yes. And that her, I'm pretty sure it was either her brother or brother-in-law. I think it was her brother. Had a haunted house and had lived in a haunted house before. And I was like, oh, what happened? And she was like, well, there were like these two little boys. And they would run around in the attic. And then they would, you know, like run downstairs and and do things and they never saw the boys but they knew it was like two little kids and I was like oh that's interesting like what sort of things would they do because I was thinking like oh they'd you know might activate a toy or like play some little prank or whatever yeah let me tell you I really would put money on it not being little boys in that house well tell the chair thing that's what I was gonna say apparently like huge energy and action would happen in this house. So they would come downstairs and there would be chairs, like their dining room chairs would be up, placed on top of the table. Nope. Nope. That's not a little kid ghost. If it is, that's the strongest little kid energy I've ever heard of. Or it's like a little kid who has seen a lot of horror movies and is just trying to replicate it. I don't know. True. But they also said, oh, this is another part that I forgot, that they would come in and all the cabinets would just be open. And then they'd like walk in and the cabinets would go boom and open. Oh, they would open when they walked in? I think so. Okay, that's scary. I might be mixing this up with like another ghost story that I recently heard. I don't know. There was a lot that happened in the past three days of my life. Either way, that house is extremely haunted. And your news, please. Tell so I met everyone. the realtor 
because I bought a house. Woo! <laughs> Corinne, you are having a year. You're, you bought a house. You went full-time podcaster. You're getting married. Yeah. You are I know. Thriving. It's everything all at once. Thriving. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It was it's so we cute. for a year. We had some failed, uh, what do they call Offers, rejected offers. But it's one of those things where when people are like, oh, well, just wait until you get the house that that you end up with. Like, you'll be happy those other offers were rejected. And I'm very much feeling that right now. I'm super excited. And you, yesterday you told me that you believe, I've always said I think you're really good at manifesting. And yesterday you told me that you finally believe it. I do, because there are some features in this house where oh, I either really, yeah, there's fireplace in the kitchen, which is my in the dream. Kitchen. I know. But it was like stuff like that, like random things I would say in passing, like, oh, like I love wall paneling. I built in a lot of. Yeah, I love built ins, you know, like stuff like that. And even yeah. just like when you and I were talking about a fireplace and you were like, God, I want a fireplace in my kitchen. And I was like, that is a great idea. Fireplaces in the kitchen are like really cool. Like that seems like such an and old, then, old historic home thing. Yeah. I would love to live in an old historic home with a fireplace in the kitchen. And it's just like all those little random things that I either thought would be nice or like really was consuming me at every open house. Like, I need this. I and- love this. You're going to have a podcast recording office. Yes, yes. I get studio. to use one of the rooms for podcasting. I'm so excited to see the how room you with decorate. the built-ins. Yes. So I think I'm going to face the built-ins are behind me so I can put like cool things on the built-ins. Yes. Right? Oh, but I'm it's so going to be a while till we till we get in the door cuz I think there are some some um, yeah. upkeep things to make it more appropriate for hospitable. Us. So we have yeah. to um, do well. Congrats. Anyhow, that's my exciting news. I'll that's share pictures. Really exciting. Once we start doing things and and getting things a little bit more oh, I'm in so our lane, I don't even know how to use words. I'm. Do just you have a like, room for me? Of course I do. Okay, it's already designed via Pinterest. Oh, I've been watching DIY all morning. It's like how to how to DIY your own tile, how to paint tile. And then I'm like, man, should I really do this? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. It's so fun. I, I'm so excited to be able to do that when I have my own home. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things though, where I get consumed by the DIY videos and I'm like, I'm so confident. Actually, Elise Myers talked about this one time where she was like, I, I forget what she called it, but she basically said that she has the like, I can do it gene where she never, ever has a thought that she's not capable of doing something. She thinks she can do everything generally decently. Like, it doesn't mean you're an expert. It doesn't mm. mean like, oh, if I pick up running, I'm going to be in the Olympics. But it means I think I can run. Like, oh, I think I could build a house if I YouTube That's it and learn. really good trait. I do not have that. I have the, I can't oh. do it. See, I have it hard. I have it hard. And so that's why I'm like trying to already pull myself back a little bit and be like, don't jump into things too quick and make some bad decisions and choices just because I'm like, oh, I can scrape all this stuff up and no, I can build a patio and I can do all the brickwork. Maybe not that much, but you can absolutely do tiling and My brain tells me I can I have the other people can do it mentality. I have the I want to do it, but I can't do it. Except for here's the thing. 
When it comes to handiness, I am a handy woman. I built sets in college. Like I, with my bare hands, I was using table saws. I was like drill guns, drill bits, nail guns. I was building up the storm. So I know how to do, I I know how to use my hands. Perfect. It's just sometimes it's easier to pay for convenience if you have the money to pay for the convenience (laughs) of not having to do stuff yourself. Anywho, that's my news. That's exciting news. I hope that, I secretly hope that your house is haunted, but only for like, only good haunted, like a nice little friendly ghost. I didn't feel anything when I was in there. Not yet. But you know what I do want to do is I want to get, I learned this on Farmhouse Fixer, which is Jonathan Knight from New Kids on the Block. He has a show where he basically like renovates old farmhouses. And one of the things I learned on his show is that old historic properties often have a, you know, oh God, I forget the name of it, but you know, when you're like walking like the staircase and then there's the final post at the end, it's the something post, the something, whatever, but it's the, like, there's more of an accent to it, right? Cause you have all of your like balusters and beams and whatever. And then there's the the display post at the end that, that indicates like the beginning or the end of your stairwell, however you want to look at it. But older ones would have a hollow center. And if you took the cap off of it and looked down into the center, people would often put like the blueprints of their house or like the deed to their home in there. And so I was thinking it won't be, we don't have, I don't have all the pennies in the world to make every design choice I want, but I think in the future, that's one thing that I want to do. I want to put something in like that. And I know obviously it's going to be a like 2023, 2024 thing. It's not going to be like from the 1800s, but I want to start writing love letters to the house and putting oh, it in there so that if ever we such don't a watch her house. Oh, that is the, fuck, I just watched that show. Maybe that's where this <laughs> that's idea probably is in your par- mind. partially coming from. But just yeah. like little things, like things that have changed, things that we're noticing, like cool things about the house. Just not really like, I love you house, but just <laughs> I like love a little that. that's so sweet. Bible for the house. I think I'm going to do that. Your, maybe your memories, like what you've done in the house. That's kind of yeah. fun. When you have kids. Yeah. Oh, it's like a little time capsule. And then, yeah. You know, if we Ugh. ever sell the house, maybe we just like grab some pliers and pick all the papers or leave that are them in, in there. out and relook at it and then maybe shove it in for the next person to find yeah, when they fine. do a renovation. A little discovery. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. I'm excited for this one. So I do need to credit very heavily one person. And that is, well, I guess two people Anthony Chen, Anthony Chen. It's Anthony and then C H E N E production on YouTube. This person has a bunch of documentaries that they make that are really incredible. And there's a whole series where Anthony interviews people who've had near-death experiences. Oh. And so that is how I found the documentary about Penny Whitbrot. And obviously I have to credit Penny too, because it's her telling the story. So it's all her in the documentary firsthand. She's the only one that speaks and she brings you through a bit of her life and what she experienced in this documentary. And she also has a YouTube channel and she's given many, many talks. Um, so Penny Whitbrot, if you look her up, you'll find plenty more information, much more than I'm able to tell you now in this 
one episode. Isn't it wild how we decided to do a different format of our episodes so that we can really go in depth and do more research? And we have found that we can hardly contain it to the yes. one and a half hour time frame. It, it's just we have so much information. And also, I think part of it is that before when there was a really huge topic, you and I kind of strayed away from it because we were like, oh, it's going to be a little bit too much. But now some of those really big ones, those like huge stories that are super detailed, we're like, let's tackle it. Then we're like, oh my God, this could be a whole season. Tower of London, I kept putting off, I kept putting off, kept putting off. And I'm glad I did because there's no way I would have had the ability to contain that to half of an episode ever. Like not without missing. Yeah, there's so much with certain places. There's just like so much that goes into it and different players that so many people informing the story. And so. And I'm excited because now that we don't have themes, every episode is kind of a surprise to me or to you. So near-death experience. Hell yeah. Near-death experience. Also, if you're on Patreon in I think any of the tiers. So same for joining Campfire Stories. Um, you do get a little bit of a sneak peek. You get hints at what the next episode will be. Okay, so this is Penny Whitbrot's near-death experience as she tells it firsthand in this documentary that I watched. So Penny grew up in Michigan, and her family was very Catholic. They believed in God. They went to church. But she said that she thought of God more as this punitive God that was just waiting to whack you on the head as soon as you made a bad mistake. So basically, she was saying that she was fearful of God, right? Like, she grew up being like, if you sin, that is horrible. Like, you won't go to heaven. God is always watching. It was this scary figure over her. A lot of guilt. It was like Catholic guilt to the extreme, I think, where it was just like a, a scary experience. And she said that when she was a kid, she also feared dying, not necessarily the act of dying, but she feared not being able to make it to confession in time before dying to confess her sins and get to go to heaven. So like God and the religion and stuff, it was scary, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, he will come and punish you for everything you've ever done in life unless you're perfect and have perfect timing and whatever. I mean, there's a lot of that in religion of just, you know, like the decision day and what, you know, are you good or are you bad depends on, you know, decides where you end up. I mean, there's always like in every city, there's someone with a sign like judgment day is coming and repent your sins. They have their microphones. I think that's the word I'm yelling at everyone. For. But I said decision day. <laughs> it's the same thing. Clearly, I have not been tr- to church in a long time. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I think Penny was probably hoping that she wouldn't have to go to church as a kid because, yeah, it was just this figure watching over her every misstep. And so she was a bit fearful. As an adult, Penny got married. She had three kids, got divorced. She had a pretty messy divorce. I think there was a lot of like infidelity and and heartache when it came to her relationship with her husband. Um, and then she moved with her three children to Kentucky, so away from Michigan, where she put herself through nursing school while raising her kids. And she mostly worked in the critical care unit. I think she worked, I know she started in open heart care, and I'm not sure if she stayed in that department the whole time, in that unit. Um, 
but she she worked as a nurse in critical care until she retired in 2014. But while she was still working as a nurse, Penny was at home with her daughter making fruit smoothies one day. So very normal, very average day. She's drinking her strawberry smoothie and then it feels like there's a lump in her throat and she's swallowing and she's swallowing and it's like getting bigger and bigger and it's harder to swallow. And then her mouth starts feeling really tingly and then her her tongue is number and it just keeps getting itchier and constricting and she's having a harder time breathing now. So she's like, oh my God, I'm having an allergic reaction. Luckily, she had a pack of EpiPens because she had a shellfish allergy. Why she was reacting to this strawberry milkshake for a fruit smoothie, she doesn't know, I don't think. But something happened and she's going into anaphylaxis. So she runs, she grabs the pen, sticks it in herself. And then her son, who was of the age to be able to drive her, he gets her into the car and they rush to the emergency room. And her, I mean, the EpiPen only does so much, right? It's basically a shot of adrenaline to just keep your heart going and keep keep you breathing for a short period of time in anticipation of you going to the hospital and getting getting some real treatment. So she's struggling. This is terrifying. It's so scary. This stuff is so scary. Especially not knowing, you know, not knowing you're allergic to something and then experiencing this is, I mean, horrifying. Yes. And it's just so, I mean, I'm gl- I'm not happy it happened happens to anybody, but I'm at least glad that it happened to someone who was a nurse, who had an EpiPen, who knew what was happening and what to do. Because you hear those horror stories of, you know, like a child in elementary school and it doesn't fare as well for them. So anyway, she's being rushed to the hospital and she gets to the emergency room and she actually knows the nurse who checks her in. She had previously worked with her and I think um, maybe had like helped to cover some of her shifts or whatever, but whatever it was, she knew this person. And so she she gets to this nurse, a familiar face, and she's like, okay, great. Like I'm going to get some treatment right away. And this nurse is like, why are you here? And Penny is barely able to breathe. She said there's like a whistling coming out of her. She's like, <gasps> like, what do you mean? Why is she here? Like she's clearly, and this person and her had son's seen with her, her. worked with her. Yeah. And so it wasn't like just some random person that you're like, oh, I can't tell anything's off. Like she was so clearly having in anaphylactic shock. So the nurse is like, why are you here? And Penny's like, um, well, I'm completely swollen. I can barely talk. I'm like gasping for breath. I'm clearly experiencing anaphylaxis. And the nurse goes, well, did you take your EpiPen? And she's like, yes. And she goes, then why are you here? You're fine. Which let me tell everyone right now, is this a PSA? If you take an EpiPen, you are 1000% meant to immediately seek medical care, whether it's calling an ambulance or getting yourself to the hospital, you don't just take an EpiPen and say, I'm fine. Well, that's good to know. I did not know that. If you have an EpiPen, you get this training. And if you're like a school nurse or anybody, like you get this training. So it was shocking that this nurse was so clearly like... Uneducated about it. Yeah, just incompetent. So yeah, never, never stay at home, go to the hospital, which is what Penny did. So she's 
already off to a brutal start, right? Like she's barely alive, kept herself alive, is in the emergency room. And then this woman is like, you don't need to be here. But she's like, okay, fine. Like, I'll bring you back. Do you want this wheelchair? And Penny's like, sure. Sits down in the wheelchair. The person, this nurse brings her, wheels her back to a quiet part of the hallway. Penny says it was basically near the sleeping quarters of the doctors in the emergency room. Like it was quiet. There was no one around. There was like a a basically abandoned nurse's station right next to her. And her breathing is getting worse and worse and worse. And she's like literally about to die. It's so scary. It gets to the point where it is so bad that she grabs out of her purse her second EpiPen and stabs herself again right there in the emergency room because no one is helping her. So she's just saving her own life. She's saving her own life. Or trying to. And she's literally in her own hospital, like in the emergency room and no one is helping and like knows some of the staff. It's so scary to hear stories like this because it's like you are exactly where you need to be with everyone who should be able to help you. How does this happen? How does this happen to someone? It's infuriating. It shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't. So she stabs herself with the second one. She's fine for 15 minutes and then it starts getting worse again. And she's very quickly dying. Like that's the last EpiPen. They come in a two pack. She's She has nothing else. And she's back in this hallway, like barely alive at this point. What's her son doing at this point? Uh, I have no idea. He might've just been in the... Like wasn't allowed to go back Waiting with her. room? Yeah. Yeah. Could have very also possibly horrifying. been in the waiting room. Because then there's or, no one to help, you know advocate for her. Right. Exactly. And two, I don't know what her her home situation was or the age of the other kids. Because, you know, if he was 16 and had to rush her to the emergency room, potentially her other kids were like five and seven and he had to go back home to take care of them. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. I just know that she was alone in this this hallway all by herself. But luckily, a competent nurse spots her rushes over, grabs her, runs her to the trauma unit. And then they they basically pump through an IV Benadryl into Penny's arm. I don't know the medical reason or terminology for this, but basically whatever was happening to Penny's body, her veins had started to like constrict and contract and pull deeper into her body. So it was really hard to find a vein. And the IV that was placed into her was barely in her arm. Like it was it was not well done because they could not really find a vein. They had all shrunk away. So it's like everything that could be going wrong is going wrong, aside from the fact everything. that she did have an EpiPen and was able to get to the hospital. So that's those yeah. two steps were successful. And then once she's there, everything is just going wrong. It's going wrong, exactly. Basically, the doctor who comes in is like, relax. We have plenty of time to treat you before your breathing stops. You're going to be okay. Well, she actually didn't have time. Within a few minutes, Penny died. And she remembers her vision closing, like tunnel vision. And then when she collapsed, her consciousness popped out of her body. Whoa. And she was looking down on her body from above and she was watching everybody rush around her. She was seeing people intubate her. She was seeing, I think, family members who who did arrive into the hospital room at that point were being pushed away, shoved away. And Penny said, quote, 
I remember hearing the code call going off overhead and thinking, oh my goodness, somebody is really sick. And I looked down at me in the bed and I didn't know it was me. And I thought, wow, I hope she's okay. She looks like she's in really bad shape. She didn't even know it was her? Not at first, no. Oh my gosh. So she pops oh out of gosh. her body, <gasps> sees the commotion, is like, wow, that woman is in bad shape. And then, boop, everything goes black. Okay, see, that makes me think that our, because, you know, we talk about how our spirits hold memories of all of our lives. And that's why it's hard in our current lives to remember our past lives. It makes me think that when she popped out for a moment, all of that recollection came to her spirit that it was hard to tie it together to this life. Right. Especially because that that life was like, basically she was in the suspended in between. Yeah. Like she hadn't fully died and gone through the processing of death beyond our current life yet. So yeah, whatever happened, she was super confused, whether it be confusion with the soul or or really just a traumatic experience. And and her consciousness, I, I almost said brain, but at that point it's not her brain, but like her consciousness trying to protect her from what was happening. Yeah. So then everything goes black. Penny awoke again, still in spirit form. And she's now in Wisconsin in her sister's car. It is pouring rain. It is a horrible driving conditions. It's late at night. And she noted how her own body felt a lot lighter. So it wasn't like the normal density. It wasn't the normal sensations of sitting in the car and you can feel the fabric or the leather touching the back of your legs. You can feel your back leaning against, like you can feel pressure around. You can feel the weight of yourself. She didn't have that feeling. So she was just basically a little ghost in the car, just floating there. And so she was nervous that she might spook her sister. And so she basically remained quiet because she didn't know if she was able to be seen. Like, yeah, she had no idea what was going on. And her sister's in this like really wrinkled shirt, clearly out of the hamper. And Penny's still not registering that all of this has happened to her and that her sister's probably wrinkled shirt out of the hamper in the middle of the night in the pouring rain heading to the hospital. She's like, wow, there must be an emergency if she's heading out like this, not thinking I'm the emergency. Right. And there's got to be some element of shock. So putting it all together is difficult because she's aware that she's not her physical form, but she's not putting it all together. Right. Right. There's a lot of confusion. A ton. Her sister pulls over to the gas station and Penny's still in the car, right? Like she's still her astral state, her little ghost self is still riding along and they pull into a gas station together. Penny knows they're together. Her sister does not. Um, and her sister opens up Facebook and writes a message. And Penny's looking over her shoulder at the phone and can literally see the message being typed out, can see Facebook. And her sister writes, hang on, kiddo, I'm coming. And later it was found out that it was I believe a message to Penny's daughter saying that she was on the way. Your your auntie's on the way. Gotcha. Penny sees this message be sent and then boop, black again. This is wild. I know. I know. Because it's not like she's just there and aware and floating about. She's being like ripped back and forth. It does. Like right. I'm picturing like a boomerang or like a 
like a rubber band just and also popping around to different places to different people that are important to her and in her life and I, I mean I feel like usually when we hear of near-death experiences a lot of them are pretty similar where it's you know they see this white tunnel and they see their loved ones and they often say it's not your time you know you got to go back and that's the extent of it but this is so elaborate it totally is. And you're you're making a good point too, where it's there was confusion. She wasn't fully aware of what was going on. So it's not like she was hovering above her body and then has the thought, oh my gosh, I'm in a horrible condition. My children, let me go see what my beloved sister is doing and, and make sure she's on her way. Like there was no thought. It just No, it's happened. happening. She was just pulled there. Yeah. So it's all black again after seeing this message go through on Facebook. And then Penny's body, her physical body at the time, is being actually flown to a bigger hospital. And this is a gross detail. So if anyone's driving and easily faints, skip forward 15 seconds starting right now. I'll give you a couple more seconds. La, 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 la. Grab your phone. (laughs) Fumble. Okay. Now skip forward. Um, So her veins had retreated so much into her body that they actually had to drill a hole into her shin to administer the medication because her veins were no longer accessible. I mean, the fact that that is a possibility is also kind of incredible. Yeah, I know. It's gross. (laughs) I mean, but it saves people's lives. Yeah, And also, I mean, that's just like, that just shows the shows us the extent to which Penny was so close. To right. Death, right. Yeah. So Penny's spirit is still in the astral plane, although her physical body is now in a new hospital. Even in her astral body, she was still struggling to breathe, which is something that's unique because we always hear, you know, like all the pain is is lifted. You feel wonderful and great and have so much clarity and are all knowing and all this stuff. And for Penny, it was a lot of confusion, and she still felt like she was in agony. What was happening to her physical body was still happening to her in spirit form. She could barely breathe. At this point, she still hadn't put together that it was her? I think maybe she did now. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so she's awake, and she can't breathe, and it's pitch black around her. Like, it's like a void. And she knows she's not standing upright, but she's somehow suspended, like... She was basically floating, but she couldn't see anything. Like it was pitch darkness. And so it was really scary. And so she was in this like weird space. And once she realized what was happening, she it's basically like she fainted. It's like the OA. (gasps) Yes. Yes, totally. And even a little bit of a Stranger Things too. Yeah, yeah, the upside down. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, just going when... Eleven goes into that space when she's meditating and it's all dark. And then she finds who she's trying to Mm -hmm. see, like remote seeing. Yeah. So Penny's spirit, or Penny in in her spirit form, she goes unconscious again. And when she wakes up, she's in the exact same place, suspended in this infinitely dark space. And what Penny said here in the documentary really struck out to me. And so I'm going to quote her directly. She said, quote, I was starting to doubt that I had ever actually existed because if I had existed, why weren't people looking for me? 
Maybe I had done something terrible that I couldn't remember and had just been banished to this place and everyone had forgotten me. Whoa. Doesn't that make you so sad? So sad. She basically thought she was in hell. Oh, especially because of all the fears. Yes. Poor Penny. She didn't get to go to confession. (laughs) Oh, right before. Poor Penny. So yeah, this is, it's like the fear of, God and the how she was raised in her religion, like it all just culminated up into this point, and her being like, "Oh my God, maybe no one's ever coming for me. Maybe I'm here in this darkness forever with no one around me, basically like blipping in and out of consciousness infinitely." That keeps happening to her. She keeps blacking out and coming to, and blacking out and coming to, and she's still in the same space, this dark, vast infinite space. Finally, one of the times when she wakes up, she decides she needs to try to move. And she's not standing, remember? She's like in the suspended state. So she's like, I don't really know how to move. So she leans forward, but she doesn't bend at her torso. She more just like straight as a board, leans forward. And as her torso goes forward, her legs come up. So she's basically in this horizontal line now, just hovering where she feels like she's looking down at an invisible ground, right? Like just blackness, Superman style. Oh, wow. And she begins to fly forward. And she realizes the more she leans forward, the faster she will fly. So she can feel herself whooshing around this dark space. It's still completely black. This is like lucid dreaming. Oh my gosh, this is so extensive. It is, it is. And she's also like scared now. So she's like, okay, I I figured out how to move. But like, what if I... strike something. Like, I have no idea what's in front of me if there is anything in front of me. So she's pushing around, but she's like totally nervous that she's going to hit something. But then as she's experiencing this moving around, she can see a faint light in the distance. And she starts to head that way, her little Superman style. And she's heading over to the faint light. And as she gets closer to it, she sees that it's actually a piece of glass. So she goes up to the piece of glass And she presses her face against the glass and she looks in and it's her. It's her body below in the hospital room. Whoa. (gasps) This is really trippy. It is. It is. This this part reminds me of Interstellar, you know, when he's like in the fourth dimension or whatever. I mean, it does make me wonder these people who write these types of scenarios in movies and television, how do they come up with it, right? Like, is it a consciousness or a subconscious thing that is coming to them because of the astral Some sort of, like, there is some knowing of what actually happens. Or Or do they just study everyone who has experienced stuff? Or down a dark hall type of thing where a muse comes Mm -hmm. through. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. If you ever meet one of the writers of Interstellar, <laughs> let's ask them. I'll let everyone know. Yes. Okay, so she is pressing her face against the glass, and she's looking down at her body, and she can see the ventilator hooked to her. She notices the drugs hooked to the IV. She can like literally see what bags are hooked to her, and since she was a nurse, she was aware of what those medications were, and she was like, oh, God, this isn't good. And then she looks at the 
monitor and she reads her vital signs on the display. And she knows from all of what she's saying that she's barely alive. Her body is very close to death. Then her eyes move down to her daughter. Her daughter is standing in the hospital room right next to her bed, like kind of just, just I think, behind the monitor. And Penny said that her daughter has always been a super stoic person. Like she's, she's very private. She doesn't really show many emotions on her face. So it's always been a thing throughout Penny's life that she really truly has no idea what her daughter's ever thinking, what she's ever feeling. Like she's just very poised. Like she's permanent poker face. And so in the hospital room, her daughter is still doing that. The poker face, the no tell as to what she's feeling. But suddenly, for the first time in her life, Penny can feel all of her daughter's emotions. She can feel all of her fear and how upset she is and the just panic that her mom is going to die, that Penny's going to die. And so Penny, being a mom or just being any human being, wants to go comfort her. And so she reaches out to hold her daughter, but her astral body hits the wall and she can't. She can't go any further. And this makes her so angry. She begins yelling at God, saying things like, either let me live or kill me now. What even is this place? Why would you show me this? She's pissed. Yeah. Being stuck in this in-between and not having control or like, you know, I I absolutely understand that frustration because it, yes. it's continuous. This is long. This is a long time. It's a long time. And also like, can you imagine, I mean, neither of us are our parents, but we both have pets and have and we're empathetic. that we, and we're empathetic. Like, I can't imagine the anger that would boil over me too. If like there was someone that I needed to comfort who was experiencing quite possibly the worst thing to ever experience in their life. Yeah. And I was stopped from being able to be with them. Oh, of course I would be. Yeah. I would blow up. And that's what she did. Her anger angered, I guess, whatever was listening, whoever was listening. And she was sucked back to the darkness, pulled back, a little bungee cord, ripped back. Everything goes black. She wakes up again and she finds her way back to the window. And this time when she's approaching the window, she says it appears to be living. Like there's like this glowing bubble around it and it looks almost like it's breathing amongst this pitch black nothingness. So she gets up to the glass this time and she's trying to collect herself and calm herself. And she reaches out her hand and her hand starts pushing through the glass. And she can see her hand on the other side of the glass. So she successfully put her arm through. So then she shoves the rest of her body through the glass. And now she's in the room. She has no idea what to do. But the only thing that she can think of is, I should get back into my body. So she lays down on herself. She like gets onto the bed and tries to lay herself perfectly on her physical body in her astral form and is like, come on, absorb yourself again. Absorb back in. Like, let's go. But she doesn't re-enter her body. How is this not a movie? Right? (laughs) Right? It's 
so good. It's wow. just the wildest story. And it's so incredible. And also, I, I mean, please, everybody go watch the documentary and watch really every clip and video and yeah. talk that Penny does because she's so, she's so just like matter of fact as she's describing it. Like there's, there's plenty of emotion in her voice while she's speaking about it. And there's moments that she gets choked up, but it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, she doesn't have the opportunity where she stops and is like, isn't this incredible? <laughs> it just, it's her life. It happened yeah. to her. And she's probably told the story so many times that it's just like, it's just wild to watch this woman dis- wow. discuss all of the things that happened to her. Right. It's incredible. So she's trying really hard to get back into her body and she's not being absorbed. So now she's like trying to mind control pieces of or parts of her body. So she's like, just lift a finger, just lift a finger. Her finger won't lift. She's like, just blink. Her body's not blinking. So she's like, okay, this is really not working. And so she's confused. She has no idea what to do. And so she just thinks to herself in that moment, why is this happening? How could this possibly be happening to me? And then a thought pops into her mind. And the thought is, because you made this place. And whatever that means, that thought, suddenly, however she got this thought put into her or if it just came out of her, whoever was speaking through her, the thought triggered the darkness to basically break into shards. So it was like a ripple. Like she said, it reminded her of when growing up in Lake Michigan, like when the ice breaks on the lake, like it kind of looked like those cracks. Like Because you made this place. Because you made this place. Okay. And it's all cracking and she's coming or the light is coming through towards her. The darkness is now in shards. It's splintered away. And there's just this bright, giant spirit. She said it was so giant. It's like, it like literally takes your breath away. It is, it is a massive being of light that comes towards her. And the spirit opens their arms and Penny is pulled in. Ooh, this reminds me of uh, everything, everywhere, chills. all at once. Yeah. Some of those scenes where they're just like, zzz, oh my God, I feel my hair it. all over my body just I know. Like, shooting out of the follicles. It's my goodness. It chills the whole time. Truly. Wow. So she's pulled in by this being, and she remembers that around her, all of the darkness that had splintered off, it's now in shards. It like looks like pitch black obsidian black glass and it is coming at her like she's a magnet it's trying to reach her it's trying to pull her back in and suffocate her once more in the void but because she's being held by this light being it's bouncing off the energy of the spirit so she's completely protected here from the darkness and she just breaks down crying because she finally feels safe Okay, so I was, because I was thinking that this spirit is taking her soul to the other side, which is a positive thing, right? But scary to also be like, okay, then moving on, which I know that that's not what happens, but. Right, because she's here to tell us the story. But you're not totally wrong. So she looks up at the spirit finally, this like massive light being, and she sees fiery orange hair and blue green eyes. And this is when she realizes it's her grandmother. Oh, And in Penny's mind, so you're not talking at all. Like there's no actual speech. It's just like all telepathic communication. She says in her mind, I thought you were dead. 
And in her mind, in Penny's mind, she hears her grandmother respond, oh no, there's no death. You know this. And Penny is confused. And then her grandmother continues and reminds her the energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form. Which is what we talk about all the time. Yes. Her grandma was saying, you know this because it's like, you learned this in science class. Yeah. You learned this in high school. <laughs> yeah. So her grandma's like, what do you mean? We're, this Come is on, obvious, Penny. isn't it? We literally, you learned this 30 years ago, Penny. Come on. Also, her grandma seems a bit sassy. It's like, oh, Penny, you're you're in the, you know, the other side, basically. But come on. And I didn't include this because, again, there was just so much that I needed to cut out. So go watch the documentary. Go look at all the things that Penny has ever talked about and published. But um, I'll say just uh, briefly that her, she describes a bit about what her grandma was like growing up. And her grandma had this horribly difficult, very physically taxing job and just like all the stamina that her grandmother had and what a strong person she was and what a very strong loving force she was and so she felt very comforted by her grandmother in this moment which is probably why her grandmother specifically showed up you know like they had this very special relationship in life yeah and she was such a strong person too, right? Like if Penny looked up to her grandma and said, this is this is an incredibly invincible type of person. Like that's the yeah. best person to come collect you, don't you think? It's like Absolutely. This, yeah. You feel safe. This protector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Penny asks her grandma now about this place. Where am I? What is this place? And her grandmother tells her it's the in-between state. She's attached to her body still via a cord, but Penny would have to decide if she wanted to stay with her grandma in this space and move on, or if she wanted to go back to her body and stay on earth. Do you stay or do you go? If she decides to return to her body, the cord will pull her back in. So she can't necessarily just lay on her body and be absorbed back in. She has to be pulled And it has to be a specific, clearly there's some sort of like learning or message or something that she's, even though she initially wanted to be back in, it wasn't her time to make that decision yet. If she decides to move on with her grandma, the cord will sever and she will die. Her physical body will. Her soul, her energy will move on, transform. Penny cries. This is, and it feels so heavy, feels so big. What an impossible decision to feel so comforted in the arms of your grandmother on the other side, but then get to have to see your barely there body and your daughter panicking over you. Like it is horrible. So she cries. Her grandma calms her, pulls her in and puts her into this hyper relaxed state. And she's like feeling like she's being held and she's crying and she's weeping. And then she opens her eyes and suddenly her grandma's not there. So she felt all the warmth, but the being is no longer there. Her grandma's no longer there. I'm just continuously, I don't even know. I'm speechless. I'm shocked. This is beautiful and confusing and scary. And I'm just hearing it. So I can't even imagine experiencing it. Right. 
So now Penny is without her grandma. She's just alone in this void, this space again. But at least it's not dark, you know, like the shards of, of darkness haven't consumed her. And then there's this rumbling. The whole place starts vibrating. She can feel it all over her in her bones, even though she has none right now. And she's terrified that God is about to show up. And she believes that that is exactly who came through to her at this moment. Oh my gosh. There was Ah. another light being that came forward and Penny's mind went completely still. She said she basically had no thoughts, just stillness. She's still experiencing the terror because she's so viscerally terrified of, of God. But the light being just tells her, calm yourself. And she's calm. And the being then shows her an image of her in her hometown grocery store, giving money to a little old lady in front of her who couldn't afford her groceries. She was just a few dollars short and was trying to decide what to put back. And Penny really felt for her having been in this position herself and feeling the stress of, you know, like not really having extra cash and feeling a little bit of the embarrassment in public, kind of having to be in that predicament. And so Penny at the time gave this woman some money to cover the rest of the groceries that she wasn't able to cover. And this is a real experience that happened in the past. The real experience. Yes. Okay. And this godlike figure is showing Penny this. And then the image kind of dissolves and new images start projecting. And this time Penny's not in it, but that little old lady's in it. The same lady that she had given money to. And this little old lady is working in a food pantry And a similar situation happens. There's a woman that comes in and she's very embarrassed and she doesn't have enough money for the food that she needs. And now she's here. And this little old lady comforts this woman and says that she's been there before. Don't feel bad. People will help you. Because this little old lady experienced Penny's help and now she gets to provide help to someone else. And so Penny is shown the ripple effect of these small, kind gestures throughout her life. And so that's a good feeling, right? Like she's, you know, God was the scary being for her, thinking that he was going to judge her. And now she's shown this beautiful thing and these beautiful effects that she had on other people. But then she's shown something that she didn't do quite well. Okay. Oh, no. She is shown an old co-worker of hers and this was a coworker who Penny didn't really, she just didn't really get along with. Like, she didn't really like her. She was just kind of always peeved by her and started to resent this woman because she just wasn't, she wasn't doing a great job at her work. And Penny oftentimes would have to pick up shifts, pick up the slack, like just had to do a lot more. Like Penny's job became more difficult because this person wasn't fulfilling their job or, or excelling at their job, really. So Penny had always just kind of not, liked her, had some negative thoughts about her, never trash talked her, never gossiped about her, but just was like, ugh. I mean, that's fair. We're human, first of all. So we have emotions and feelings and there are certain people that we don't get along with. You cannot possibly get along with everyone. And one of the things I'm trying to learn is that you cannot please everyone. You cannot go through life without upsetting certain people. Or like, you know, if you're, if you're doing something that's in your best in your best interest, but it's not in someone else's best interest, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like, you shouldn't be afraid of, you know, hurting people. But you also shouldn't be consumed with negative thoughts towards someone else, which is basically what Penny had experienced. 
here. But it doesn't sound like she was consumed. It just sounds like that's the normal. There are certain people that irk you. There are. But I'm just, I know that you're experiencing this because you're human. And I've experienced this because I'm human. But this godlike figure is trying to teach us how to transcend those feelings. And that's the lesson Penny's getting right now. Is You know she, what? <laughs> you're then like, God, like Then God should not have made us human because that's part of I don't life. know. I think we signed up for the human experience at some point in our soul's existence. Our energy was like, let's try it. And here we are. Some of I us, I don't think clearly not up. so happy with that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Take me off your list. Spam calls. Uh, yeah. Return to sender. Can, <laughs> can I, I do accept returns. Exchanges, no, life something? is beautiful. I love life. <laughs> Real convincing, Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take more antidepressants. Ha! <laughs> take your pills. <laughs> take your pills and don't fuck your cousin. Remember, that's our motto. <laughs> Very important. Okay, so Penny's shown this woman that she had a lot of negative thoughts about. And Penny, just like you or me, or a lot of our listeners probably didn't think anything of it, especially because Penny wasn't hurting anyone. She wasn't saying anything yeah. out loud to anybody. And she was doing her job. It didn't affect her in any way. It was just thoughts she had because it was how she was perceiving this person's impact on her own life. And it was a negative impact. So this light being then shows Penny this woman's life. And this is, you know, what's interesting is what happens here is kind of what you and I had talked about in, oh, actually it hasn't come out yet. It came out on Patreon, but we'll post it later um, in March. But we did my special, like the Corinne special part two. Part two, yeah. When we were talking about when you overthink someone else's situation and you, like I had gotten myself in some difficult relationships because I was overly empathetic and mm-hmm. we thought about like, what would their parents want for them? Like they have family members who love them. You know, like they're not being their best self. They could use the support and you abandon yourself. Yeah, because of yeah. those thoughts. Oh, hello, self-abandoner number one over here. Yes, it's hard not to because yeah. your brain, you convince yourself. That's my superlative. So, Most likely to self-abandon. <laughs> hello, 30 years of it. Yeah, but not anymore. Turning over a new leaf. New leaf? New leaf. The, the crunched old leaf has been... Now you have a... A glimmering, glamorous, yellow, bright yellow leaf. Yes. Your new life. Anyway, so it's interesting because like with our experiences, we're probably going to disagree with some of these messages because they don't feel right for us in our situation. The one thing that I'm thinking is, I, well, okay. The grandmother said, was I think, believe it was the grandmother spirit said, or the voice told her that she had created this space. Like she was scared of it, but it was her own creation. So I imagine there is an element of this near-death experience for whoever it may be being catered to who you are as a person. Yes, totally. And too, I think, I mean, like I'm going to say God a lot in this episode because that's what Penny believes. She believes she was raised Catholic. She still probably identifies a bit as Catholic and she believed in God. But it's, again, it's probably one of those things where it's, we've heard it before where 
there was that one person who had an NDE that we had discussed a couple of years ago where their experience was like, oh, you're shown whatever you believe in. Whatever you're expecting is what you get. Because they were getting like, remember, they were getting like all these like psychedelic, like 70s hallucination, (laughs) ayahuasca, woo woo. And then they were like, is this it? And they're like, for you, it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For you, it is. For Penny, it was God. And it was hearing some life lessons that helped her. And so she's shown this woman's life, this woman who made her life more difficult. She's shown this woman's hardships, all the trauma that she went through, things that were impossibly difficult to ever predict or or it would just make you upset to learn that anybody near you went through horrible, horrible, horrible things and abuse and all this stuff. So Penny felt horrible for having all these negative thoughts that she ever had towards this woman. Now knowing that she wasn't able to bring her best self to work because of all these other things that were affecting her. And she felt badly about thoughts that she had, the judgment she bestowed upon this person, even though she had never spoken them out loud. But basically this light being was like, well, actually the energy of your thoughts and your actions can move through space and attach themselves to others. So you thought negatively and that did attach to her. And your negative thoughts hindered her ability to move forward. It's not entirely your fault, but when there's a bunch of people who are thinking negative thoughts about someone, it just makes their opportunity to get to a better version of themselves that much harder. Like there's just another coding of, of film that they have to punch through. And so basically he was like, you need to control your mind, which reminds me a lot of some of the stories that we've read on encounters where there are people that are really witchy and they have to like really concentrate hard on not getting overly excited or overly angry because their energy like bursts out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it manifests into something, even though it was just a thought, it was just a quick emotion. It can turn into something. I also, okay, I know I was just saying like it's part of life and humanity to be irked by certain people. But uh, yes, I think this lesson is really important of you never know what someone's going through and you never know what they have been through. But understanding that you have your own past, your own traumas, your own history, that every other person also has that and carries that with them, which led them to where they currently are, is I, I think a very valuable I mean, it's empathy, right? It's understanding that you may not see see everything beneath the surface or know everything beneath the surface. It's a hard pill to swallow. And it's a hard thing to probably hear when your body is dying in a hospital room and you're in this suspended state, right? I mean, this whole thing is just continuous. Right. It's It's a wild experience, yeah. Totally. So Penny is angry. She gets angry again and she's like, okay, I'm supposed to be all nice and kind and have positive thoughts. Well, God, where were you when my husband left? Where were you when my husband told my kids that they were going to send, he was going to send a piece of mail and they walked to the end of the driveway every day for months looking for the mail that never came? Where were you then? Why didn't we get anything? Why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to them? So she was really just like, okay, if you're, if you're looking to change people's hearts, if you're looking to change people's minds, like, why didn't you start with my husband who could have, you know, like his actions negatively impacted four people greatly here. And so the light being who Penny believes is God, God and for Penny, 
I guess, shows Penny this new scene. And it's three years in the future. And she is at her grandson's soccer game. And her own son, her grandson's father, turns to her and explains that he has plans to be the best father. And he is going to be the father that he felt he deserved. This is the future. This is the future. So she's seeing her grandson at the time, I believe, was two. And so she's seeing him at five years old playing at the soccer game and her own son being like, everything I didn't have from dad, I'm going to do for my son. And had he not experienced that pain, he wouldn't know how to change it and treat his son differently. Yes. And so basically Uh. that was the exact message. It was like her children had to experience it to break the cycle in their familial line. Okay, well, my question is, and maybe you're going to get to this, but does this moment actually happen in real life? Did it? Ah, this is so, I mean, again, it goes back to time. Like Time is not linear. We have no idea how it works. It's Everything is existing all at once. I know. Isn't it so crazy too? Because it's like thinking about that, was she seeing another? What if Penny decided that she actually wasn't going to go back and she was done with her life on Earth? Does that scenario still play out because in another dimension or because time is linear and that you get like every possibility of every single choice ever and you get to see it? You got to, you got to, you got to read Dark Matter. Okay. Okay. I do. I will, I'll get it on Audible because then I'll, I'll crush through it way faster. I truly read it in like three and a half hours. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll do it on my car ride up to Vermont today. Yeah, it's great. So she's seeing this and she's starting to be like, okay, I'm starting to understand a little bit more. And she remembers thinking that maybe things will be okay if she doesn't go back. So now that she's seeing all these images and she's seeing things, even though she's seeing herself in the future, she's like, maybe if I stay here and remain with God, everything will be okay. And as that thought comes to her, light starts to envelop her. It starts swirling around her and her whole body is being warmed and it's tingling and it's shimmering. Like she's feeling just like she's a little ball of sparkles, warm sparkles in the this suspended state, this non-sky sky. And it's wrapping her from head to toe which, or I guess I think from toe to head, which reminds me of the ribbon wrapping technique because that's Mm -hmm. what it feels like. It reaches her neck and when it does, it suddenly exits from her mouth and her tongue is now glowing and she starts singing. She has no control over it, but she's singing and she's singing beautifully. And she's like, wow, if I ever go back to earth, I hope I can sing like this again (laughs) because she's like not a good singer in real life. And she was like, ah. It's Little Mermaid. Angelic. Totally. The light then goes up to her brain and she can feel it everywhere. And she feels like she's being healed. So all of her pain, all the illnesses, all of of it, just like all the trauma, everything she ever experienced in her human life is just gone. And she's just at peace. And then it all stops. And Penny and God begin to fly. And they're now flying around her DNA. She's like seeing the helixes of her own DNA And they stop in this one particular section and she's asked, do you want to stay or do you want to return to your body? Oh my gosh. And she says, do the splits. This is wild. (laughs) She says, I'll stay. 
So she's going to leave her human life. She wants to stay here. She's so dazzled by it. She wants to stay. But then as soon as she says it, she immediately regrets it. And she thinks about her life back on earth with her family. And now seeing and knowing all that was just shown to her, she really wants to go back. She doesn't want to stay anymore. She's just said that she did, but that was just for a split second. She actually wants to go back. She wants to go back and heal her traumas. She wants to engage with life more. But the light being starts to recede away. She had made her decision. She said she was going to stay. No! So it starts to ah! recede. <laughs> She's begging, pleading. Why are you no, sending me on this come roller coaster? Back. I even know yes, the ending. Right? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> Spoiler alert, she's still here. She's she's alive. But she is begging this light being. She's begging God, like, please, please, let me go back. I was I was just kidding. I don't want to stay. <laughs> Funny joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you. Prank. How often do you get pranked, God? Probably not a lot. That's why I did it. So you can have fun. <laughs> That's what this is fun. Um, no, but she's begging. She's like, please let me go back. Please let me go back. And he's like, oh, okay. You want to go back now? And she's like, yes. But I, if I go back, I, I really only want to go back if I can remember what happened here. Because I fear that if I go back without memory of this place, then I'm not going to have the hope that I have now. I'm not going to know the changes and the lessons that I need to have to have this to really live life, to really like be fulfilled and do clearly what I'm supposed to be doing. Within a split second of her essentially saying that, which is telepathically, Penny wakes up in her body. She's in her just, living, just like that, fleshy human body. She wow. chose to live and so she shall. The pain returns. Of course it does. The pain returns. The medical staff notices that she's there. She's now conscious. And they run and grab her family. After her family visits, and, you know, there's some tearful hellos and whatever, and she's trying to get her her groundings there because it's all still confusing and blurry and what the hell just happened to her. She is left alone in the room after everybody visits. The medical staff leaves for a moment. And in that time that she's alone in the room, God appears. And this startles Penny because she's not in the astral plane. She's yeah, in, she's in her body. She's in... The physical life that we know right now. Okay. And she's so scared, she screams. Because <laughs> she just, boop, right in front of her. And she's like, ah! She has no control. I mean, bed. hey. <laughs> and she said that she screams. And then she goes, I thought you were gone. And God starts, she said, quote, cracking up laughing. <laughs> God started cracking up laughing? laughing? Yes. He's just cracking up laughing. And then he goes, I'm never gone. And basically he popped in to tell Penny that he wants to, her to share a specific message with the world. And he hands her a note and she reads it. And she said, it's so overwhelming. It's like the most beautiful thing she's ever read. It just like truly hits her in all of her being. And she's reading this note. And I have no idea if this is like a physical note that she still has or if it was just like a note that was basically tattooed into her existence and it's just exists it's no it's all knowing i guess but just lives in her but however she has it however she read it however she kept it it's in her so she reads it and she agrees she'll share it but she was lying she was like this is so beautiful i need to keep this to myself and for the next two and a half years 
she kept it to herself. Simultaneously, she experienced respiratory failures 18 times. She had this super rare autoimmune disease. She basically keeps dying, basically, like one after the other. Like she's barely able to get by. I mean, eight, she's she's in the hospital like every other week, essentially, from respiratory I'm failure. I'm guessing until... You know, you know where this is going. <laughs> so the last time this happens, she floats above her body once again. So she actually removed her astral state projected above her body. And she's like, oh, no, I'm all too familiar with this. And God is there. And he basically scolds her. He's like, Penny, this is ridiculous. You said you wanted to live and you're not living and you're not sharing the message. And she's like, uh, I've been a little busy dying every five minutes. Like, do you want to <laughs> help me out there? And he's like, no. I keep putting people in your path to help you and you keep saying no to them. You need to say yes. And so then she's put back in her body and she receives a call from one of her friends, Brian, who I believe also had a near-death experience. And Brian had been asking her multiple times, do you want to come to my group and share your story? And there were other people like this too, like people that would just come into her, her life, but she was just so, I keep using the word consumed, but she was consumed again with just like, always basically feeling like she was dying, you know, all, all of these respiratory failures. So she was just overwhelmed with life and not focused on any of that stuff and saying no to everyone who came in and was just like super antisocial. But God just told her he needs, she needs to say yes. So he, Brian calls and is like, do you want to share your story with my group? She says, okay, yes, I will do that. Wow. And Penny lives her life. Everything returns to normal. She doesn't have the respiratory failures anymore. And she always has the feeling of the presence of God watching over her. And she said that one time, and this reminded me so much of everything everywhere all at once, which makes me wonder, did the writers, well, maybe not, but like, I'm like, did they hear about this? She said she was in Walmart and she felt like she was being watched. And she looks out the window to the area that felt like she was being watched. And there was no one there, but there was a rock. And she knew that that rock was God. And it was warm. And it was lovingly staring at her. Like, it clearly didn't have eyes, but she, like, felt all the energy and everything coming oh my from this gosh. rock. It was, like, pulsating from the rock to Penny inside Walmart. It's because God like, is God's everywhere. There. Exactly. God was there. God was everywhere. I also love that Penny had been given all these messages and was learning so much in this astral plane while she was in the near-death experience and yet didn't fully listen to God. But like, <laughs> you know. She tricked him. She, she tricked tried. Him. She she played some pranks on him and we're like, oh, yes, but yes means no. Or yes doesn't mean no, but it doesn't mean, yes, I'll do it right away. It just means some, at some point I will. I'll get well, to it. And God's like, Penny, come on. I'm God. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Penny. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The being that she was so fearful of, and now she's just not even listening to what he says. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I know him. We're on a first name basis now. I'm, it's good. He laughs at my jokes. <laughs> we pull pranks. She also said that it really was just a light being. Like there was no real features that she could make out, but she kept calling him him because she felt like it was a masculine presence. Which again could be, you know, like her belief in God was of this 
male god. And so that's sort of like the energy that was being presented towards her. So Penny's beliefs, surprise brides, have changed a lot since having her near-death experience. She fully believes in everything having consciousness, in the energy around us, being this living thing. We are all connected. Three years after her initial anaphylaxis that landed her in this near-death experience, Penny found herself at her grandson's soccer game, and her son turned to her and explained to her that he would be the best father. And she had never told him this. No. Oh my gosh. I have chills. The very conversation that this godlike figure had played out to her just played out in real life now. I know. Penny's life is quite different now. She views the world very differently. Her relationships, to her relationship with herself, um, it's completely done through a different lens now. And she did say, I wasn't even going to say this, I didn't even write it down, but she did say her and her um, current husband, who I think she was married to at the time that she experienced the initial anaphylaxis, that they had some difficulty after her near-death experience because she was so changed with her beliefs. And that's one of the pillars of a foundation or the pillars of a relationship, right? Like it's, you have to, you don't have to believe in the same things, but there has to be like a mutual respect for each other's beliefs and understanding. And she was just so completely different in what she believed from what where she had been before. And her husband was kind of struggling a little bit with this new, he kind of saw it as like a woo-woo sort of thing. You know, she was all of a sudden like, a little Buddhist monk <laughs> in many ways. And they made the decision that no matter what, they would try, they would stay together. They would try everything to come back to each other because they'd actually done some research. And apparently, according to their research, I have no, I didn't look it up. I didn't do any research myself. So I don't know how factual this data point still is. But apparently, 70% of people who experience near-death experiences and are in relationships, their relationships do not survive. Those relationships end because you just come out a different person. You see, you see things. I want to say, I'm like tempted to say clearer, but that means that other people aren't seeing clearly and I don't want to like insult people. But like she just got a very different, she was given the opportunity to see something from a different perspective than what an average person gets to see. And it's something that only Penny experienced. So to be able to express that and have it be understood by anyone else is probably extremely difficult, especially if you've already built a pre-existing relationship with them that was founded on different morals or different beliefs. It, it's just, it's a massive shift very quickly. Yes. And I think she was challenged a bit by people who didn't necessarily believe her story. People that were like, oh, you must have just been hallucinating. But she's like, how do I hallucinate exactly what medications I was given? How do I hallucinate exactly what the hospital looks like? How do I hallucinate watching my sister drive in another state in the exact clothes that she shows up in? How do I hallucinate exactly what my daughter is wearing when she's staying behind my ho hospital bed? Like, how, how do I see the, all of this stuff then? The, the future. The, seeing the future. Seeing the future. Exactly. And yeah. also knowing the coworker's trauma. Like... I'm so curious if Penny ever, I mean, it's hard, right? Because that feels a bit like an invasion of privacy. But 
I would be curious if Penny ever spoke to her coworker and got validation about some of the things that she saw and learned. I would be, I would come out of that and be like, all right, girl, I'm sorry for being a total B-I-T-C-H to you. I know your trauma now. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it like that's that, so, but I think that's I would. so hard though, because it's like how intrusive, like how would I that know. person react? Well, it's the same way like if a medium gets a message from your loved one, right? Like, and they want to share it with you. It could be I like, guess it hey, depends. I received this message about you. I, I feel like you'd have to just express it in the correct way. Yeah. Right. Or try to sometimes relate the on trauma a is level. like your deepest, darkest secret, right? And you're like, why is my coworker now telling me? I know it. <laughs> you know Don't got to tell oh, there's me. A, there is a part here, Sabrina, I'm going to get to that okay. I think you'll find really interesting. And Okay. Do you tell them why when I get there. Okay, so basically, Penny is viewing her life very differently. She's viewing her relationships very differently. She's way more understanding. She's empathetic. She's loving. It's not always easy, but she's trying. Penny also is now getting visions, visions of the future. And they're not always positive. So she's actually seeing like murders and deaths happen, and then they come true. Murders? Oh my God. Yes. Something has been unlocked within her, and she's able to see. She basically is having premonitions and th- some of them are really scary. And so she's she basically was saying in the documentary that it's really hard, but it's necessary for her on her journey to try to separate herself from the scarier side of death like that, like seeing those types of visions, like getting a, a sort of like power and understanding of the world is one thing, but always subjecting yourself to things that still feel scary as a human being. You don't have to do. Like you shouldn't have to subject yourself to that. So she's tried to pull away from having those sort of visions and she's really thrown herself into helping people deal with death. So one of the things she does is she meets with families who have someone on hospice or are preparing to potentially have end of life care. And she talks to them about what it's like to die, what it's like in the in-between state, what it's like just as you're about to pass over the things that she experienced. And she tells them the things that the people might be able to see, the people that might come to them, the people or the things that they might be able to see in the very room that they're dying in, and some helpful actions and words that those family members and loved ones can do to help a more, for a more peaceful passing for that person. So while she was in the initial astral plane during her near-death experience, Penny saw a brick wall. And the brick wall was everything that had ever held her back, everything awful that had ever happened to her. And some of the bricks were just bricks that she had put up herself to protect herself and shield things that she wasn't ready to combat and and deal with or recognize. And Penny says, quote, the thing with wall building is while walls do keep people out, they also keep you in. You make yourself a captive and unwittingly become your own jailer. You limit all potential. And so she said she has been working to this day, one by one, brick by brick, to break down and chip away at this wall that she met in the astral plane and basically climb out of it to freedom. Wow. Which to me feels a little bit like transcending the human experience, right? Like finding Absolutely. peace. Absolutely. 
finally acknowledging all the lessons your soul was supposed to receive and yeah, I guess like accepting it in this lifetime, living it, being freed from it. That is incredible. Uh, Isn't it? Not that I want anyone to experience a near-death experience, but it sounds like it's, yeah, transcending experience. Mm -hmm. So Penny's takeaway from this whole experience is to do the best that you can with the people around you. Give grace and understanding to those who come into your life. Help people when you're able to. Don't let your anger and your frustration or your resentment change your thoughts and how you interact with others. Obviously, like protect yourself, but but don't don't let it consume you. Show up in the world how how you want to. And the number one most important thing is to not isolate yourself. It can be really hard to socialize. It can feel like a burden. It can feel embarrassing to reach out to people and to ask for help, but you must do it. Penny says, quote, we're not here by accident. I know this all seems chaotic and super scary and like it's all going to crash and burn, but we're here right now and the timing of you being here right now is not an accident. And so to end this, I thought I would read the message that she received from God. Oh, she has it. She wrote it down on a computer, uh, on like a board doc or something. And okay. she read it in the documentary. And okay. I guess this is a good time to remind everyone that, you know, take the message as you will. It was a message that she was encouraged to share, but obviously it was a message that was supposed to be for Penny as well. Applicable so to her. I'll try not to butcher this. Try print it and put Sorry it like, on my there. mirror. Yeah, <laughs> just say it every day. It really does sound like a prayer. So it does okay. have some Catholic religious sort of elements to it. Okay. Okay. Here is the message that she received from God in the hospital room when he popped up and scared her. Such folly to think anything escapes my knowing is when you were with me all at once. All that I allowed you to know, you knew. No words were spoken, nor were they shouted. I whispered them into your spirit. I discreetly filled you with knowing. Knowing flowed into you as effortlessly as taking a breath. Is this not so? No truer words have ever been spoken or written. The great I am is in your core. The great I am is the light even when I am hidden. Still, I am. Is my energy charge sending me over each synapse in your brain, even though small fibers knew that I am? They rose and they fell to the rhythm I created, to the symphony I conducted, I composed. I consider a tragic comedy of arrogance when man denies what the smallest innervation knows. Man thinks he acts and moves outside of my knowledge. How could it be so? I say, I proclaim, he does not. His own fibers clutch themselves, laughing at the idea. I am the flower, the wind, the rain, the sinew, the marrow, the rock, the author, the maker, the touch that set in motion all that you see, all that you know, and all that you do not see or know. I knit to you. I breathe in you. I'm coded in every cell. Every nanosecond of time falls in step as I will it so. I am in you. I am all. Even when you perceive nothing still, I am there. As I tell you this here and now, pressing my truth into your breast, your very heart presses it further in. And that's the near-death experience of Penny Whitbrot. Wow. Speechless. This, 
I know. And like the fact that she heard this and was so taken by that message too, just makes me think that it was kind of about her own faith, right? Of not really knowing and being scared of this godly being. And also parts of this, it's like, the great I am is in your core. The great I am is the light. Even when I am hidden, I am. It kind of makes me think of a little bit of the theory that you and I have discussed where it's like, what if we're all just chips of one giant soul? Like what yeah, if we, we are, are everything? Yeah. Each one of us is everything. Yeah. Or or just one. One thing splintered into everything. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I can't remember what episode it was, but I talk about universal consciousness and just this idea that like all of us together are the collective consciousness of the universe. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. Ugh. This is such an incredible story and I love it. And I'm I'm so glad that Penny survived and is here and has these messages and has this beautiful outlook on life. But it scares me because it get, it brings up the question that I, I we shouldn't dive into too much because it hurts my brain, but it brings up the question of free will. Like, is there free will? And how does that work? Because if God is everything and is in us and has nothing happens without God's intention and that God was able to show Penny the future and that future moment did happen. And I believe that God probably also knew that despite Penny saying, I'll stay here, God knew that she would then change her mind because God knows the future and the future already exists. And if I get See, this is like I'm getting bogged in down and spiraling in these thoughts because it is confusing. It is. But then it's like, you know, going back to that movie, Everything Everywhere All at Once, where it's like, well, if there's infinite choices, maybe maybe they didn't know. what Maybe this light being or God for, for Penny w- didn't know exactly what would happen in this one scenario. But then if they're all knowing... God, exactly. I don't know. I keep saying God. God, are you there? The higher power. Give Whatever me Whatever you believe in. Yeah. Yes. It is so trippy. And it's like, this is why I love near-death experiences because there's some that we've talked about where people aren't Catholic, you know, like where they, they have totally different religious views. People who are Buddhist, people who were agnostic, you know, and each one is so different yet so similar. Yeah. I mean, I okay, so I have a listener story about a near-death experience. This is a perfect, I will segue into it because it, it is a very different experience. This is from our listener, Amanda, and it's called Life Flashing Before Your Eyes or Alternate Outcome slash Divine Intervention. And then Amanda sent two stories. So in Encounters 178, I will read part two of the story of the email. Um, okay. Hello, ghosties, obsessed listener two times over. I experience a lot of small spiritual things on a daily basis. Crows and ravens literally follow me and yell at me sometimes, which, okay, this little tangent. Yesterday I saw a crow and I had this very spiritual moment where just, I looked at it and it it looked at me 
And I knew like in my heart of hearts that crows are, I have a very deep connection with crows, whether it's they're my spirit guides or like my spirit animal, or I was a crow or will be a crow or messages will communicate through me through crows. I don't know, but it makes so much sense because I've been so fascinated with them. And I just had this moment with one yesterday. You need to give it a gift so that it keeps coming back. I'm going to explore the crows. And you can befriend them. You must befriend the crows. Yeah. I'm going to be Moira, the crowing, or what is it called? <laughs> I think I think it was is like it that. The or, the, or is it the crows have eyes? Yeah, maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. Back to Amanda's story. Uh, Amanda said, mostly when I'm at work, when I should be working, but instead I'm daydreaming. It's kind of funny, actually. I know the phone's going to ring before it does sometimes. I know something won't go according to plan before it even happens. My ears ring all the time and I know it's messages, but I can't always understand what they are yet. Sometimes I just know what's trying to be said. Not like a voice is telling me or anything, but more so like I just know the answer to the question that is being asked of me. My gut feelings and thoughts of something's wrong slash you need to slow down a bit or change lanes while driving. For example, I was driving down the main highway one day on my way to work and I had immediate thought pop in my head saying, slow down. So I did. A few seconds later, some jerk was flying by that I didn't see in my mirrors prior and he probably would have hit me had I not slowed Ooh, down. Or I'm so glad that people get messages like this, right? It's like, trust your gut especially if you're in the car. Seriously. I see angel numbers all the time and I have many other little experiences like that. But anyway, enough about me and onto the stories. I have two spirit. I have two stories that happened years apart. The first being before my spiritual journey ever started. Okay. This was July or August of 2015. I lived with my ex at the time outside of the city I live in, which is Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada. Love that area. Let's call my ex Jake for this story. My personal vehicle was broken down and Jake just so happened to have a spare vehicle, but it was a standard, not automatic. Manual for us Americans. I'd never driven a standard in my life before, so I had spent an hour or two watching YouTube videos explaining it. Yes, silly, I know. And I went off driving. To have a clear image of what I was driving, I've attached a picture of what the car looked like. It was a old 2000 Civic. Jake is over six feet tall and I'm a short five foot two on a good day. This car was lowered and had racing seats that you could not move closer to the steering wheel. So I had to sit on folded up beach towels and a couch throw pillow. Yes, I know, not safe. This car was the definition of unsafe. It had no working airbags either. So now that the unsafe painted picture is complete, I drove around all day. I was perfectly fine, no issues at all. Down the gravel roads, into the city, then back out into the country. Before I decided to go home, I stopped to visit Jake's parents' place that was located maybe 8 to 10 kilometers away from where he and I lived at the time. After the visit, on my way home, I was going about 60 to 70 kilometers per hour down the gravel road that Jake and I had traveled multiple times a week. I was maybe five minutes, if that, yeah, I wonder what that speed is in miles per hour. Is it like 35 or something? 37, yeah. Oh, okay. Seems more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I was maybe five minutes, 
if that, away from my house when all of a sudden the back end fishtails out of nowhere and I lost control of the car. Not knowing how to correct losing control in a standard, I just let things play its course. The back end swung out to the left and the driver's door was heading towards a deep ditch going directly for the side of a culvert at a driveway. This driveway had a metal fence chained closed at the entrance of the driveway. So to have a visual of the story, there's a photo below, and it's an example of how the ditch slash driveway kind of looked, minus the gate. I instantly had this thought, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm going to slam into the side of the driveway, and that will be the last of me. And then I remember thinking, no, this can't be it. This is not how I will end. I prayed to be saved, but not to God or Jesus. I just prayed to anyone that would hear me, not even knowing if anyone or anything was listening. All of a sudden, at the very last second, the back end of the car swings the opposite way, essentially redirecting the vehicle, which ultimately saved me from having direct impact to the side of the driveway and ditch. To remind you, I didn't know how to correct losing control while driving a standard vehicle, so I didn't move the steering wheel at all. I did not touch the brake or the gas. Honestly, the the car might have stalled out by this point. I'm not sure. The car ends up going half in the ditch and half on the driveway. The front of The front end of the car got caught or impacted something forcing the car to stand on its nose end. So I was staring down at the ground with the metal gate directly beneath the car and the car flopped down onto the other side of the metal fence, teetering on the edge of the driveway on the opposite side of the fence. I am now on this person's property with a chained gate between me and the road I was just on. When the car stopped moving, I got out and I was completely in shock crying, having a panic attack, crying, having a panic attack and couldn't breathe. It didn't really hit me until Jake's brother came to my aid after calling him and not being able to get words out except for I'm on the route home. And I had no actual injuries. Bruises on my knees from hitting the underside of the dash on impact and a bruise on my left shoulder from the seatbelt. That is it. No cuts, no scratches, nothing but small bruises. Everyone says when it's a near-death experience or something of the sorts, they see a li- they see life flash before their eyes or see an alternate outcome of what could have happened. Well, I didn't really understand what that would look like until it actually happened. When the car actually hit the ditch, I swear I saw dirt, water, grass, and glass flying around inside the car as if windows had shattered and water and debris from the ditch were flying around me. I also remember seeing it happening as if the car was rolling multiple times in the field of this property. My opa on my mom's side had passed away in 2010, and the more and more I thought about it, the more and more it didn't make sense as to what actually happened versus what my eyes saw. After talking to my parents and letting them know what happened and that I was okay, my mom said it was my opa watching. I truly believed he saved me that day. And I've come to the conclusion that me seeing all the debris flying around and seeing it as if the car was rolling was the alternate reality of what would have happened had I not had divine intervention saving me. That's exactly what I was thinking. Amanda attached photos said the third photo attached is the actual car and the damages. The part that I think started this chain of events to happen was my ex Jake had said that morning before he left me for work. He said, don't crash my car. He jinxed it. Uh, he was an a-hole anyways, so I'm glad I told it his piece of shit car from Amanda. Wow. 
Amanda, thank goodness you are okay. Yeah. That is so scary. So scary. So, so, so scary. And, you know, I'm terrified of dying in a car accident. So, of course, I read this story to terrify me even more. But, yeah, I mean, divine intervention and just seeing all of this stuff flash before her eyes, you know, the visuals of what could have happened, whether it's an alternate reality or or it's had someone not come in to help. I know it's so it's so strange. It's like is it an alternate reality or is it a premonition? Or or is it okay, what if it's this? What if so Opa clearly came in and took control of the standard car and corrected the car. But Opa knew to do that because he saw the future. So what if because he was so close to her, so close to Amanda in that moment, that she like absorbed his seeing and the oh, vision that he oh. had, which then prompted him to save her. And so that's why she saw that because he was preventing what was coming. That's cool. Just proximity wise. She just got a little, got some dust of being able to see the future through Opa. Wait, I really like that. That's so fascinating. Because then it's also like the idea of Amanda almost being in the astral plane momentarily because of this like intense fear and emotion Mm -hmm. and connecting to Opa's spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you're alive. You're alive, alive. Amanda. We're glad you're alive. Thank you for sharing this story with us. And thank you to all of you for coming and hanging out with us. Come to our live show in New Jersey, if you yes are in New Jersey, join Come our Patreon. Come hang out. Come do the things. Support yeah. us. Love do all us. the things. Hold <laughs> our hands for the rest of time. Yeah, spiritually or physically, whatever. You know, here's my hand. Take it. They're a little clammy. But <laughs> here for you. <laughs> yes. Oops. And thank you so much to our editor, Christina who is new to the Two Girls, One Ghost uh, business, but we're so grateful to have Christina at our show crashing it. Yes, thank you. And we do hope to see you on this side, but if we do not, we will see you you on on the other side. side.